And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you're having an outstanding week. Uh, yeah, big show today. Great show today. I was joined by Chloe Anagnos from AIER. Um, it was a great chat. We covered a lot. <laughs> we got to as much as we possibly could in uh, the limited time we had, but we, we covered a lot of ground. I think you guys will really enjoy it. It's always great talking to Chloe. Um, yeah, before I get to Chloe, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. You can contribute monthly over there, and there's cool incentives if you choose to do so. All right, without further ado, here is my chat with Chloe Anagnos. All right, guys, we're here with Chloe Anagnos from AIER. Chloe, thank you so much for coming back on. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I've been I've been looking forward to this. So, all right, we have a, a ton to get to, a ton to get to, as always today. Um, let's jump right into the, the NBA Chinese Communist Party fiasco. <laughs> that that we've been watching unfold oh, the last week. Um, LeBron James, the the country's wokest, most outspoken, <laughs> most obnoxious athlete, thought it would be wise to come to the defense of the Chinese Communist Party on Monday. Obviously, the Chinese Communist Party, the organization that uh, that perpetrated the largest genocide in human history, killing twice as many people as Genghis Khan, three times as many people as Joseph Stalin, nine times as many people as Adolf Hitler, sixty times as many people as Pol Pot. Over 200 times as many people as Fidel Castro. I can keep going. Something like a million times as many people as uh, Nero, and you know Nero, who basically only killed his own family members. But anyway, I personally <laughs> rank how evil someone is based on how many human beings they slaughtered. Therefore, Mao Zedong and, and the Chinese communists are literally the most evil motherfuckers ever to walk the face of the earth, in my opinion. Maybe LeBron James just doesn't know that. Maybe he's just too ignorant. Maybe he only cares about himself and his wallet. Maybe a combination of all three. I don't know. Chloe, your thoughts. So I agree with you. I would rank people and regimes on a scale of evilness as how many people they've killed. Um, But I think LeBron's big problem, and I was watching a few videos before I got on here. I think his problem is that he's more interested in his wallet at this point. Um, a lot of folks know, and I think at least if they listen to your show, they understand and know what's going on in Hong Kong and all of the protests. Uh, but LeBron coming to their defense, uh, coming to the Chinese government's defense, I think has a lot to do with the Nike endorsements that he has, the Space Jam movie that he's got coming up. And China has a very large interest in the NBA, especially with the Houston Rockets because of Mao Zedong. I mean, uh, everything that the NBA has going on. China is interested in it. Sneaker sales are huge there. Um, So of course he's going to do the wrong thing in my opinion and speak out against free speech and the general manager of the Rockets and really just back himself in a corner and make him sound like the ignorant fool that he is. Yeah. LeBron literally called out 
the the GM of the Rockets, Daryl Morey, and and said he wasn't educated on on the topic. I mean, really, <laughs> like, you you can't really you can't make this up. I mean, really, LeBron? Yeah, like you cannot no. make this up. I'm sure. I mean, I, I don't know if Daryl Morey is educated on China policy or the history of communism. I I don't know. I've never met Daryl Morey. He just posted a, a meme on Twitter that said, you know, free Hong Kong. I don't know if he's educated or not. But I sure as hell know LeBron James isn't. So wow. No, absolutely not. If he understood the type of concentra- uh, excuse me, the types of concentration camps that are going on and labor camps that are happening in China and how they just want to ignore international law and take Hong Kong back as part of mainland China, he probably wouldn't be speaking out of two sides of his mouth. I mean, wasn't there when North Carolina had the whole transgender bathroom debacle a few years ago, um, wasn't there an end? NBA or like a Final Four or some type of game that was moved from North Carolina because the NBA just couldn't possibly support North Carolina. Yes, it, was the, it was the NBA All-Star. And we're All-Star. talking about bathrooms. Yeah, it was the NBA All-Star game. Yeah. They moved out of, uh, it was supposed to be held in Charlotte. They moved it somewhere else because of the, the tranny bathroom stuff. But yet we have Muslims and Christians and other religious people being persecuted in China right now. And the NBA doesn't want to do anything about it because they're worried about merch sales. There's just so much hypocrisy. So, I mean, like, the, obviously, with with it's a lot. With, with these with these athletes, and you know, going to like the Colin Kaepernick's of the world, and and guys like LeBron James, they're they're you know they're really big into the police brutality stuff and and criminal justice reform and all this. And like, I like I agree. I mean, I, I mean, personally, yeah, I agree with like, them too. I, I think all cops in the field should be forced to wear body cameras. Like, in in my opinion, like I'm not some you know. I, I part ways with a lot, and I, I championed the the first step act that Trump signed into law. I thought it was great. You know, I'm actually with them on a lot of that. Oh, <laughs> you know, but like I am too, and and I think it's one of the best things the Trump administration has done is the first step act, criminal justice reform. It's all amazing, hundred percent. But I agree with you, hundred percent. But I agree with you in that okay, the NBA is only interested in their financial gain from this entire situation and i'm not supporting it i put on twitter last night like i'm a huge pacers fan i'm not buying tickets i'm not buying merch i bought my little cousin's um tickets to the golden state pacers game last year for christmas i'm gonna have to find something else to get them because i i just can't in good conscience support them right and like i with it's just so funny to me that these these athletes and celebrities they go balls to the walls but you know against american cops uh, for police brutality and stuff. And it's sometimes it's justified. Sometimes it's not, we don't need to, you know, relitigate that right now, but like police brutality, <laughs> like if, if that's your main issue, that's your main social justice issue is police brutality, man. Uh, if you take the worst, just take the worst instances of police brutality in the history of the United States. That is just a Monday morning in communist China. I mean, they're, they're slaughtering protesters right now. And like you said, they, they, they're currently holding somewhere between 1.1 and 2.1 million Muslims in concentration camps right now. So it's like, if, if police brutality is like your issue, like that, that's your, that's LeBron's thing. Like that is his issue. The fact that he would turn a blind eye to to brutality, you know, from the commie police. It's just, it's just a joke. It's a joke. And look, if these woke athletes, I don't accept, if Trump, Trump, if LeBron James comes out and blasts China, I mean, is he going to have that big of an effect? Is he going to change the dynamic in Hong Kong? Of course not. He's an athlete. That's not his job. But if these woke athletes and celebrities are stamp, are killing people in stampedes trying to get to a TV camera to bitch about Trump, but won't call out, 
you know, the, these communist regimes for slaughtering protesters. I'm sorry, you have no credibility. I mean, your credibility is absolutely gone. I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. And I, I was having this conversation yesterday. When are we going to stop listening to our athletes, our celebrities, actors, public figures, whomever, about politics? I mean, I think in general, Americans don't really care if their celebrities have, you know, some type of half-ass cause, for lack of a better term, that they're trying to champion when they're so hypocritical. Americans don't don't like it. They, they truly, truly do not. Um, if, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just curious if this whole debacle with the NBA is going to affect their sales, kind of like how um, I was reading the other day, you know, when Dick's Sporting Goods, after after all of the mass shootings, they said, hey, we're not going to we're not going to do gun sales anymore. And their stock dropped drastically. I'm curious if the same is going to happen with the NBA and with ticket and merch sales. I really do. Because I, I don't think I don't think Americans care anymore because everybody is so hypocritical. And I think the NFL took a big hit too when all of the protests were happening uh, with Colin Kaepernick and everyone. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the season looks. I think, let, let, me, let me know what you think about this too. Um, I think guys like LeBron James, because they are so outspoken about, like at least with Colin Kaepernick, he did his protest and he was, you know, punished for it. Like he was essentially blackballed from the NFL. But like guys like LeBron James, they right. they, they fancy themselves like the next Muhammad Ali. Like they, I think LeBron thinks of himself in that light. Like he thinks of himself as a Jim Brown or a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Muhammad Ali. But they they want the glory, but they don't. <laughs> they don't want the risk. Oh yeah, but, I mean, Muhammad Ali when, no. when he said, "No, I'm not going to Vietnam." I have no quarrel with the Viet Cong. None of them ever called me the N word. I mean, he he avoided the draft. He went to prison, and he he let, he lost out on like two years of his fighting prime. I mean, he lost out on millions and millions of dollars and a couple years of his freedom. Okay, like when you take a stand, you have to be willing to 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 pay the price to face the consequences. Muhammad Ali was. LeBron James clearly is not. No, because he's got so many deals with China. And so and so many, uh, not with China directly, but he's got deals with Nike. He's got this new movie coming out. I mean, he has too much to lose if he really wanted to take some type of stance and say, no, this is not right. I, you know, won't be playing this season. I mean, I would love to see him donate or get the league or get a bunch of these millionaire crybaby athletes together and, and donate to a cause that either helps the protesters or helps people who have been able to get out of China. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I would just love it if they could finally just put their money where their mouth is, but I don't think we'll see that happen. No, I, I think, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, I definitely don't see that would be great, but I definitely don't see that happening. I, uh, and look, if, if LeBron James is just going to worry about himself and his paycheck, I, I, I'm fine with that. But just stop speaking out about anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just keep it then, you know, whatever, uh, what's her name on Fox said, just shut up and dribble. I mean, fine. Like if, like, be, yeah, exactly. be Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan made it perfectly clear he didn't care about politics. He didn't care about social justice. He didn't care about anything except making money. So that's fine. Like if, if you want to be MJ, go for it. Like that's, like I have no problem as a capitalist. I have no problem with that. But you can't 
you can't split the baby here. Like you can't just bitch and moan about everything. No, no you can't. Everything You're Trump right. tweets and then keep silent. You know, in in the face of communist oppression, like you can't have it both ways. I agree, and and my mom actually says it best. She says, you know, I'm so tired of these celebrities who come out and we were just talking about movies, you and I. But she says, I'm so tired of these actors who always have these causes. Just shut up and act. Entertain me. That's all I'm interested in. I have no care about whatever it is that you're going to talk about on both sides of your mouth, unless you're not going to get involved. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I agree. I like Michael Jordan for what he's done. Incredible athlete. My cousin actually used to give him golf lessons, by the way. Really? Don't know if you knew that. Wow. Yeah. My, my cousin uh, is a golf pro and actually used to give Michael Jordan golf lessons like way back in the day, which is really cool. Um, But I, I respect him for, not getting involved because like you said, or um, a minute ago, like you can't just half ass something like you're either all in or you're not, you can't split the baby. Everybody who knew Michael Jordan said that he was like a complete dick in his personal life. Like he was just not a nice guy. Can you confirm or deny that? I've always wondered. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I've just seen pictures of him and, and my cousin um, hanging up. So, and this was, this would have been back in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Gotcha, gotcha. Sorry about that. So, sorry. I don't know. I guess they're friends. Gotcha. Well, so, yeah, sorry for that no random off-the-wall <laughs> question. But, uh, all right, so let's move on briefly. No, no, it's always kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's move on briefly to the situation in Syria, uh, the, the, the Turkey-Syria situation. Um, I just want to get your thoughts. I've talked about this on the podcast last week. Um, I, like, I haven't been able to give my audience, like, a satisfying opinion one way or the other, on yeah. Syria. One, because yeah. there's a ton of nuance within the Syrian civil war. I mean, there's like four or five different factions at war with each other. They're all bad. Like, there's no... There, this isn't like World War II, where it's, you know, the, the good guys fighting Hitler. You know what I mean? There's a whole bunch of bad, horrible groups of people killing each other. Uh, and I don't really know what we should be doing there. I mean, obviously, Obama invaded Syria, got involved in, in the Syrian civil war illegally without the approval of Congress. That seems to me like uh, reason enough. Um, just to pull out since he did it outside of the bounds of the Constitution. Um, but, you know, so and I, I guess I'm down with Trump removing the troops from Syria. Uh, the reason for him doing so seems really awful. <laughs> Moving the troops out yeah. so that Erdogan can come in and, and kill people doesn't seem like the best move. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what we should be doing. Um, the reason for getting involved in the Syrian civil war was because allegedly Assad was gassing people and we needed to stop Assad. Now the Kurds, who are our allies, uh, now the reason is, you know, that everybody, the press and everybody's saying, well, we need to go protect the Kurds, and now the Kurds are allied with Assad. So it's like, well, what the hell does that mean? If our allies right. are now allied it's with like... the people that we were supposed to go in and stop from killing the Kurds, and now they're friends, and I don't know. Like, I don't know what we should be doing. I don't know if Trump made the right move. There's great arguments on both sides. Where do you stand? Um, I would hate to say that I don't know either, but I think I'm very much a non-interventionalist and I, and I know I, I don't like intervention. Um, you hit the nail on the head. There is no clear bad guy. I mean, if it was just Hitler or if we knew that Assad was the only bad guy, then okay, maybe we should go in and try to get involved, but everybody is changing alliances. It's just so murky and we have been in the Middle East, we've been in Afghanistan shit for 20 years, 18 years, yeah, 19 years, 18 years. Yeah. yeah almost two decades. So, 
Um, You can't win either way. And I know it really pisses a lot of people off when you say, hey, I don't think we should get involved. But what good has it done us? There was a meme that was going around on social media that said um, it had like 2001, 2002 listed all the way to 2019. And it said, 2001, uh, we have to go and we have to get involved because 9-11. 2002, it said, oh, weapons of mass destruction, Uh, 2003, and it kept going on, and it had all of these talking points that the mainstream media would list as our reason for getting involved, and you keep going through, and it's like, the reason's always changing, man. The goalposts. And we have nothing to show for the it. The goalposts are always changing. Like I think the most blatant, yeah, the most blatant example of that is with Muammar Gaddafi in Libya, right? So the the oh yeah, the both parties and the press. We got the, he has he's trying to get a nuke. He has chemical weapons. We got to go kill Muammar Gaddafi. And then Gaddafi signs a treaty with us, ends his nuclear program, hands over all of his chemical weapons. And the Obama administration's like, ah, fuck it, we're going to kill him anyway. And then we invade, and he's, yeah, he's, let's get rid he's of sodomized to death in the streets with a bayonet and, and the, this whole deal. So it's like, the goalposts do seem to to move. And the thing is, like, I, I'm, I'm typically a non-interventionist, but I'm not all the way there. Like, I, I think that even guys like Rand, yeah. Rand Paul, who I really respect on, on most things, I think is kind of right. Like, I don't think we should just abandon the world completely, sit here at home, and wait to get attacked. Like, I don't think that's great. Right. And obviously, I disagree with the other side even stronger, the, the Lindsey Grahams of the world who just want to bomb everybody. I mean, I think that's uh, just as bad. But, like, oh, absolutely. I, I feel like I'm alone here where I just think everyone's wrong. I think Lindsey Graham's wrong. I think Rand Paul's wrong. I think the entire press is wrong. I think both parties are wrong. Everybody's wrong, except for me, <laughs> I suppose. Well, and the only person that you're going to agree with 100% of the time is yourself. So I wouldn't ever feel bad about not agreeing with other people and just agreeing with yourself. And what frustrates me is that I don't feel like we're getting an accurate depiction of what's going on in Syria because ABC News oh, yes. put out yes. that I almost that forgot. Video. They put out that video. <laughs> it's horrible. Yes. It's absolutely horrible. They put out this video that, oh, it's like, oh, here's all these bombs and, and this fire uh, because, you know, there's bombs in Syria. And come to find out that uh, that's all fake and it's actually footage from a gun range in Kentucky. <laughs> Just like what the actual hell just straight propaganda. Could ABC news just to cut the middleman and kept the, the video on silent, just played war pigs by black Sabbath behind it. Can we just cut out the middleman right? and just go straight to that? My Gosh. goodness, the propaganda. It's just amazing. And people. And so, so here's the thing. I went to school for journalism. I am a journalist. I don't like using the word because a lot of people don't trust journalists. Boo. I don't blame them. I, boo. I'm we're horrible, horrible people. But when I see colleagues and friends of mine who work at local to mid-sized news stations throughout the Midwest and they talk about how, oh, well, you know, we're, we're the front line of defense for, uh, you know, the truth and reporting. I'm like, bullshit. No, you're not. When you work for a news organization that is doctoring footage, I can't trust you. Like, I can't trust you anymore. That's why I everything that I do is independent or... I write for a think tank. I, I can't be associated with the mainstream media anymore. I just really can't. Um, and the other thing that really frustrates me too, um, and you know this, I've spent a lot of time in the Middle East, specifically Israel, uh, Palestine, the Palestinian territories, and Jordan. 
and no one is reporting what's actually going on there. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that I should go to Syria and actually see what's happening. I think that's kind of dangerous right now. Yeah, but if we can't trust the mainstream media, yeah, nah, maybe next time. Yeah. Um, but if we can't trust the media to tell us what's going on and if they can't be accurate about it, then why should we get all up in arms and say that, oh, we should get involved if we don't even know what's going on? It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I trust these people about as far as I can throw them. And Brian Stelter is a pretty uh, overweight guy. I don't think I could throw him very far. Um, I, <laughs> it, I, one thing with the ABC uh, propaganda, um, it did provide some pretty great memes. I mean, everybody's posting memes, uh, like live look from the Turkey-Syria border. And it's like uh, from from Empire Strikes Back with those big Imperial walkers shooting people in the snow and shit. And it's like, and then like Game of Thrones memes, there's like a dragon and stuff. It's like, oh my gosh. I mean, not not far off from uh, what ABC News actually posted. Oh, it's hilarious. Oh my goodness. These... It's, it's, it's hilarious, but it's sad at the same time because journalism was supposed to keep the government accountable. And now they're just kind of there. Like, I don't, I don't know what the role of the mainstream media is anymore. That's why I think it's important as an independent journalist, I guess you could call me that that writer or whatever. That's why I go out and I report and I write about things that the media probably would never show you or wouldn't even care to show you. So I don't know. It's just, it's just, very frustrating and it makes me wonder why i studied it in the first place <laughs> i the, i think the the worst part of that is i don't think any of it, any of us were surprised that abc news would do this i mean you weren't shocked were you no i mean it's like it's par for the course no. and like you said like what i don't know what the the role of, of the press is i mean i don't know perpetuate wars and elect democrats i mean like, i guess like what else like what, uh, what other function do they serve you know, obviously not their original original mission but, uh, you know, speaking of the press, and, and obviously, uh, l- let's talk a little bit about the Democratic debate from last night. And, and, uh, fair warning to the audience. I didn't watch it. Chloe didn't watch it. We did not watch it. No. Nope. You were out. I saw the new yeah, Joker were, movie instead. <laughs> and I did. I wasn't even doing anything. I could have watched it. I had a chill night, ate dinner, drank some wine. I think I watched, I was watching, like, reruns of something on Netflix. Like, it was something that I've seen a million times. I forget what it was. It was, like river monsters or something like it was something just mindless nice yeah and i was like working on my fantasy football team like i could have watched the debate i had nothing else to do i just chose not to um but i, I watched the highlights i don't know if you caught up on a few of the highlights what a nightmare for the democratic party i mean joe biden uh yeah seemed to kind of forget what he was doing forget what he was talking about bernie sanders i mean he's alive he's a 79 year old man who had a heart attack last week so god bless him he's still here um Tulsi Gabbard kept propped him up for it. Yeah, my <laughs> goodness. I mean, weekend at Bernie's, really, you know. But uh, exactly. Tulsi Gabbard kept trying to go after Warren, and then the the CNN anchors kept stopping her. Like anytime she talked, anytime she would talk, it's like, okay, your time's up. How do you respond, Liz Warren? It's like, oh my goodness, it was so pathetic. Obviously, they got the memo that Warren is the press's candidate, and they have to protect her at all costs because she's a, a beautiful little flower that can't be, you know, can't be bothered. And so what a, what a nightmare. My takeaway from everything I saw from the debates is that, one, I have to vote for Trump, and two, Trump's going to win. That's it. I mean, the winner from every single debate, I think this is the fourth debate, fifth debate. My takeaway from every single Something one of them like that. is that Trump has won every single one of these debates. 
What do you think? Oh, absolutely. It's just making a better case for people who are on the fence to either stay home or for people who traditionally vote for Republicans or maybe are a little bit more conservative to go back out and vote for Trump. I don't see how the Democratic Party can unite to be if that is their goal, if their goal is to beat Trump in 2020, I don't know how they're going to do it. Because Biden's a train wreck. And I truly do think that for the longest time I've said that he's their best bet to beat Trump just because he is a little bit more moderate. And I use the term moderate very loosely. Um, But the progressives don't like him. No. And the progressives are what is running the Democratic Party right now. And I'll tell you right now, I mean, you and I both live in middle America. Uh, Progressives don't do well here. No. Now, they do not do well here at all. Another point on Biden, and I, I said the same thing, that I thought he was kind of their best, I thought he would be the nominee, and I thought he it was was probably best equipped to, to give Trump an honest fight. But, man, I, he's deteriorating before our very eyes. I mean, it's like, it's actually uncomfortable. Like, I, I don't take any, it is. Like, I don't, I take no pleasure in saying this. And I'm not paying, I'm not playing armchair physician. I'm not trying to diagnose Biden with something, but he is not all there. And like it's not just hey he's old he's lost a step no 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 he's lost ten steps it's like uncomfortable to watch it's like borderline elder abuse man like he should not be up there like this man is not fit mentally to be on this debate stage let alone be president of the United States. Well, it's uncomfortable, but remember that Hillary Clinton had the same problems too. I mean, fainting uh, after some type <laughs> of event. Is the 9-11 um, event. I, I mean, there were even, yeah, I mean, fainting, um, she was hoarse a lot. She obviously had some type of infection, like something was going on. Um, so I don't know. I think running, obviously, it takes a lot out of you. It is not easy when, I don't think it's easy for any person to run to be president, like, let's be honest. But if you are older and you're kind of past your prime and you're maybe the best bet that your political party has to to beat whoever the bad guy is at the time. I mean, they're going to do anything and everything to get someone up there to beat Trump. And maybe that means that, you know, Bernie's going to have a heart attack. Joe Biden might faint during a debate. I don't know. I'm still kind of surprised Hillary hasn't thrown her name back in. I mean, she acts like she's still running for president, right? <laughs> So, but but here's from your summary. It's just, it's, I I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh. It's a clown show. It is. You're like, Bernie just had a heart attack. Joe Biden's about to pass out. Maybe Hillary Clinton's old ass should jump in there. It's like that, like, this is the best that the democratic party out of the hundred million Democrats in this country, the maybe, you know, whatever, 70 million Democrats old enough to run for president. These people are the best that you come up with. It's amazing. Yeah. I said, I said, this is the best we should come up with. Let me take that back. That's the best they can come up with. I'm not a Democrat. I'm, I'm not a Republican. I'm just a, I'm an anarchist anymore. I it's, it's, it's pathetic. It really is pathetic. And you know, I'm shocked Hillary hasn't put her name back in. I would think that as we get a little bit closer, she would, maybe it would be a rematch because think about it this way. If she were to have won in 2016, she would have known full well that she would have to run again in 2020. So 
and it's not like when you're that power hungry, you're, you're going to tell, uh, you know, you're going to say like, Oh, I'll only be a one term president. Like I, I would, I don't know. I would think that she might get involved again. What do you think? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Do, do Democrats still like her? I mean, I, I'm not sure. Eh. I don't know. Eh. So wait, so you said you're, an, you said you're an anarchist. Are you an anarchist? Cause like, look, I, uh, people ask me that all the time. Cause I say a lot of things in this podcast that would lead people to believe that I'm an anarchist. And then I said openly that I'm voting for Trump next year. And yeah. that doesn't really make any sense. But like, so I, I put a lot of thought in this. I'm basically philosophically speaking, I'm an anarchist. Like when I hear okay. when I hear anarcho-capitalist talk, there's really nothing that I disagree with. Like I, I hate the state as much as the next guy. I believe taxation is theft. I believe everything should be voluntary. I believe in the non-aggression principle. I live my life by the non-aggression right. principle. All these things. So like philosophically, I'm an anarchist, but I'm also an Ohio voter. And like maybe it's because <laughs> I'm in Ohio because we are the bellwether state, right? Like we've picked the president in every you election are. since like 1980. Or no, 1888, I think, was the last election where Ohio didn't pick the president. So it's like when you are an Ohio voter, you do view voting as a binary choice because it kind of is for statewide and national elections in Ohio. So it's like I, I, I'm definitely an anarchist sympathizer, but I almost exclusively vote Republican. So it's like I know that's a weird like square to circle. But uh, yeah. So like is that are you an like are you an anarcho capitalist or, or do you not like go that far officially? Well, I don't vote anymore. Oh, I gotcha. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know really what that makes me. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way as you are. I, I agree with the non-aggression, uh, the NAP. I follow it. I view most authority as just being there to get involved in my life in one way or another. Um, I do pay my taxes because I don't want to go to jail. Yep. Um, I, I think I think I'm too pretty for jail, and I don't think I'd survive. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's probably horrible a horrible thing to say, but uh, my fiance got on me because we just I told you we just moved, um, and I didn't register to vote. And he was like, "Oh, aren't you know aren't you gonna aren't you gonna take care of that?" And I said, "No." I said, "I live in Indiana. We're a very red state, except for the few times that we voted for for Obama, depending on what county you live in." Um, but I I just truly don't think that it makes a difference, and I I'm finding myself to be very much like a Lysander Spooner type thinker right. and that I don't want to choose the master for myself or my neighbors because I am my own master. Right. Like I totally, so I, what's what, I mean, so what's the point, yeah, you know, like I, I totally agree with you on a philosophical level. I just, I like being involved. Like I, I'm actually an elected Republican. I'm on my, my County's uh, central committee, Republican party central committee. Oh, so it's like, cool. <laughs> but like philosophically, I'm I'm essentially an anarchist, right? So it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm, yeah. maybe I'm just like, I'm so pragmatic, like I view politics so pragmatically. I don't know if pragmatically is a word, but it, in such a pragmatic fashion, where like anybody who wants the state smaller than it is now is my ally, and then once we shrink the state to that level, then those people are no longer my ally, and the only allies I have are the people that want the state smaller than it is then. And so it's like, and if we obviously keep shrinking the state, then my list of allies gets smaller and smaller. But right now, basically a lot of Republicans, most conservatives, and almost all libertarians want the state smaller than it is now. So I have a large group of allies, I suppose. I guess it's like kind of an oversimplification of how I view the world, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I get that. And I used to think that if I got involved in government, like I used to be really, really involved. I worked on campaigns. I volunteered on campaigns. I still 
am happy to take money from Republicans for consulting. <laughs> um, maybe that's horrible. Maybe that doesn't really make me um, a very, a very good self-proclaimed anarchist. Uh, but I just don't think that getting involved will enact true change. And I think that the best way to make change in my community is by getting involved and either doing things with local charities or just doing things myself. Like I, I'm not the type of person who would go to city hall and say, Oh, well this street needs cleaned up because it's disgusting. Like I actively on my runs, I go out and clean because I don't, if, if no one's going to do it, I might as well just do it. So absolutely. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I need, maybe I need a little bit more, more help defining what I am, but I've really in the last year gotten to the point where, you know, if, if I get pulled over, this is a, a good example of, um, and it's not happened to me yet, but if I get pulled over by the police, like during a traffic stop, I'm, I'm kind of an asshole. And I'm like, Hey, I know what my rights are. You have no authority over me just because you wear a uniform. And it's the same with elected officials. It's like, if you're only going to try to raise my taxes and make my life more hectic, then I have no interest. I'm my own master. But at the same time, I don't want to go to jail. So I do pay my taxes. Right. See, I, I, I sincerely hope you're wrong that being involved in politics won't ever affect change. You're probably not wrong. <laughs> you're, pro- you're probably right. Yeah, and I, I hope, hope I'm wrong. wrong. I'm, <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. Like, I, I hope I'm wrong. It's just that anytime I've ever been involved, the, it just nothing ever happens, and it's just kind of the status quo. And maybe it's, it, maybe it's different depending on the community, but in Indiana, it's, it's a clown show here. You know, it, I, I just feel like it's a clown show no matter where you go. And I would rather spend my time and my treasure working with or donating to organizations that actually do good instead of the politicians and bureaucrats who make it seem like they do good. So maybe that's a better way to put it. Right. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And like, I, I know anarchists absolutely hate it when conservatives and, and minarchist libertarians say this, but like, I just don't think ever in in our lifetimes or our kids' lifetimes, we're going to live in a stateless society. I mean, that would be awesome if everything was, if if everything was voluntary, if there was no state, that would be awesome. It's just not going to happen in our lifetimes. I mean, we would have to, we would have to just reprogram the entire American electorate first. I mean, and it's, it's, that's going to take generation upon generation upon generation. It's just not going to happen anytime soon. So it's like, all right, what do I do then? Like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, if we're not going to actually accomplish yeah. that, like, can we shrink the state by one percent per year? Maybe, maybe we can shrink the state by five percent per year. Okay, you know, eventually. Like, so that's kind of where I land. But all right. So before I let you go, I'm running out of time. Uh, we have to talk about yeah. uh, this new video that AIER released uh, called Mises vs. Marx: The March of History. I haven't been able to watch it yet. So tell us about the video. It sounds awesome. So it has been a long time coming, a very uh, long project in the making. But this music video, it pits uh, Ludwig von Mises against Karl Marx in a rap battle. Hell yeah. And yeah, which is amazing. And it spans more than 150 years of history, um, economic theory and philosophy in 10, about 11 minutes. Um, And it is so awesome. Jeffrey Tucker and uh, my... president of AIER, Ed Stringham, they make appearances, which is awesome to see their cameos. Um, but the debate that's going on between these two figures, socialism, capitalism, 
it's just as topical today as it was in the 1840s. So I think it's really important to talk about not only the history of economic theory, socialists, capitalists, but to look at how it's still relevant with our society today. I mean, we were talking about the democratic debates and these progressives. Most of them are calling for straight socialism. And I don't know if Americans are just too stupid or they just don't care to see, to see it for what it actually is. Um, And when we said the same thing with, with our conversation about the NBA in China, I mean, it's, it's absolutely scary to think that we're still having these conversations, but that's why I think it's important that the publishing program at AIER, the editorial program exists to get these free market ideas, these classical liberal Austrian economic ideas out there so that people can decide for themselves and realize like, Oh, Marx is wrong. I actually like productivity and peace. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And uh, so everybody check out that video. As soon as this shows up, I'll be tweeting it out from the podcast page and from my personal page. So I'll make sure everybody can see it. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this before we started recording, recording, Chloe. Um, it bothers me that obviously the left parrots Marx all the time, right? And people on the left, they, yeah. they're constantly quoting Marx. They love Marx. Why don't we on the right, libertarians, conservatives, why aren't we constantly quoting guys like Mises and Hayek? And, and the Austrian economists like what do modern conservatives and libertarians are, are they just not educated? Like, do they just not know who Ludwig von Mises is? Have they not read the Austrians? Uh, like it, it bothers me. It would seem like we would champion Mises the same way the left champions Marx, but I just don't feel like that's happening. Well, it's not because I don't think that modern day conservatives or self-proclaimed libertarians are educated. I think that it's a lot easier to champion some type of politician. I know the left has Karl Marx, has Bernie Sanders, has AOC, and the right has, I mean, Dan Crenshaw, if he's still a thing. I don't really know who conservatives champion, um, maybe Ben Shapiro. But it's easier to take those talking points from talk shows, from Fox News, MSNBC, what have you, and use that as your political or economic theory instead of reading the works of true economists like Mises, like Hayek. So that's why I think that it's important that if people are interested and want to get educated, that they, one, check out AIER. I mean, of you course, know, shameless of course, promotion. Of course. But, but of course, have to. But that's why our publishing program is, exists, is to get that research and that information, that history out there so that one, it's not lost because if, if works like this aren't reprinted, we're never going to have it for future generations. And two, it's to educate the masses and to show that, Hey, there are actual theories behind what some of these uh, political pundits are talking about. And if you really want to get, you know, knee deep into these topics, you need to read about them so that you can be more educated. So I, I don't know, but in, in, in my experience, I think it's easier to just watch some of these people who are championed on either the right or the left repeat what they say to make you know yourself sound that you're some philosophical, deep thinking libertarian. Uh, it's easier to do that than to actually read the works that true economists you know pour over. So yeah, I, I, I don't know 
if that's been your experience yeah, too. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And one more question before I let you go. Uh, I think, yeah. how, how did you get into reading The Austrian Economist? I, I think my, I'm pretty sure my gateway drug was, uh, like in my early 20s, was uh, probably just reading Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell. And Thomas Sowell is a Chicagoan economist, not an Austrian. We don't need to get into the differences, differences between those two right now. But I think that was kind of my gateway drug, was Basic Economics. And then I found Hayek and Mises and the rest of them. Do you remember what kind of took you down that path? Oh, yeah, and it's going to sound really cheesy, but it's from my boss, Jeffrey Tucker. Um, and when I started reading his articles on a daily basis, um, he's going to get so, like, cringy embarrassed when I say this, <laughs> because he knows that I he, he knows that I read everything that he writes, and he's always like, really? You always read my stuff? I'm like, yeah, I read but Well, when, somebody wants a promotion, it, but I don't know. Yeah, somebody wants a promote. No, but but the but the thing is, it's like you know when I first started reading um, Jeffrey's work before he was even at AIR, he has such a, a fantastic way of taking these complex issues and breaking them down so that people can understand them and truly read them and apply it to their own lives. And when he started quoting information from Mises or different works, I was like, oh this guy is onto something. And when I started reading Jeffrey's stuff, that's when I truly got a lot more interested in Mises and classical liberalism. Um, and maybe I'm a classical liberal. I don't really know. Classical liberal anarchist. Um, so that was kind of my gateway is through Jeffrey Tucker. And I'm, I'm so pleased and happy that now I get to work with him on a, well, I don't know if he's, if he's happy to work with me on a, on a day-to-day basis, but I know I am. Um, and putting together, uh, the we have the best of Mises, and we're now offering the best of Karl Marx. Um, those are two books that are available on our website and um, on Amazon right now that are published by AIR. So if people watch this video and want to dive into more um, from these two thinkers, then go for it. I suggest they read M- Mises and not Marx, but whatever. <laughs> I say read both back to back and. Uh... Yeah, I think you'll come to the the correct yeah. conclusion <laughs> pretty, well, it pretty was so, easily if you're a thinking human being. It was so funny because um, when Jeffrey came to me and said, hey, we're going to do this, uh, the best of Karl Marx, I was like, oh, is it going to be all blank? And can we offer it starting on April 1st, April Fool's Day? Like, I thought it was a joke. Right. And he's like, no, we're actually going to offer it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is like the biggest troll of all time. But it's also really... It's kind of cool at the same it's time. Amazing. It's like, we're going to offer both. We're going to offer both. You can decide for yourself and just go from there. That's amazing. That, that is, that's one of the best troll jobs I've ever heard of. But you guys are doing great work over at AIER. Um, definitely keep it up. And everybody, oh, thank you so much. And everybody in the audience, check out AIER. They are one of the best think tanks around. Um, and uh, Chloe, th- this is fun. It was fun last time. It was even more fun this time. I definitely have to have you on again soon. Everybody, follow Chloe on Twitter, at Chloe and Agnos. Check out AIER. You won't regret it. Um, check out the new video, Mises vs. Marx. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Uh-huh.